Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you please stand with us.
stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tomb. service. Father God, we come to you and we do declare, God, that you are indeed the King of kings, that you indeed are the God of this city. And so we praise you for who you are. We magnify your name. Lord, we acknowledge that we are living in unique times, unprecedented, at least for me as a pastor and, and Lord, for churches. And so God, we just pray that you'll lead us, that God will be wise and Lord, that we'll be faithful and we'll be bold, and that we will not be fearful. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will be glorified and magnified in all that we say and do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, obviously things are a little bit different today, right? Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, BJ and I were talking, and this weekend was supposed to be Disciple Now weekend. And so the plan was, is a couple weeks ago, that our students would get up and share testimonies, and then I said, BJ, why don't you just preach? So BJ reached out to me, I think on Thursday, and he said, hey, do you still want me to preach? Do you think you need to preach? I said, look, God knew several weeks ago what was going to happen, and you were supposed to preach. That's what we had come with, and so we're going to stick with that. Um, and the message and the theme that Dean Al was supposed to be, I think, will be very timely. But having said that, I thought it was important that you at least hear from me. Um, that I at least get to address you, and we maybe have many people that are joining us online. And so um, if you'll give me a minute, I, I've just typed up a few things that I just want to say from my heart, uh, just ultimately so I don't ramble, so we don't take too long here. So um, obviously our nation is facing a unique challenge. Uh, we faced this kind of stuff before, but maybe not in, in this way where everything that we know is shutting down, and Disney World never closes, ever and they're shut down for two weeks. I mean, it's unique times. And so just a couple things. Um, the main things I'd sent out earlier in the week, but I just want to kind of expand upon them. Number one, in moments like this, you and I must put our faith in God. Amen? That is where our faith is. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
And my dad's favorite verse that he taught me early on is Psalm 56.3. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Now, there's two words I've heard over and over this week. Panic and prepare. As followers of Christ, you and I are not to panic. We are not to fret. We are not to be anxious. I am deeply troubled, though not surprised, at how people have reacted in light of this. Uh, the fact that the shelves at the grocery store are bare. Look, when a hurricane comes, that's how we react. When a snowstorm comes, that's how people react. It's no different in this case. But people panicked. But instead of preparing, right, they panicked. They responded out of fear and not faith. My prayer for you as your pastors is that you will not respond that way. I do not believe it's a lack of faith that churches have decided to close their doors today. I don't think that's a lack of faith. I think in their minds they were preparing and they felt that to be wise. We are to put our trust in a sovereign, all-powerful God. And church, listen, we have a great opportunity in the days and weeks and months ahead. So our prayer needs to be, Father, give me the courage to bear faithful witness to Christ in whatever comes ahead. Let us bear faithful witness to Christ. So put your faith in God. The second thing that I think is really, really important for us right now is that you and I need to love our neighbor well. Um, so look, the last few days have been hard on you. It's going to be hard on people who may lose their jobs as the, as the stock market goes down and the, cult, the, the, the financial industry is, is in flux and people are losing money, right? It's been difficult for me. These last couple days have been hard for me. I know it's been hard for BJ. It was not easy for BJ and other leadership to cancel the Disciple Now weekend. A lot of time and preparation had gone into that. It was not easy for us to cancel upward games yesterday. And moments like this, right, you want things to be as normal as possible. That was a difficult decision, but it was a decision I felt was the wisest one to make, and others agreed with me. Um, and it's been hard for me this week as to whether or not we should gather here together. Many churches have decided not to, and I wrestled with that. I struggled with that. And you say, well, why has it been so hard? Well, it's been so hard because Philippians 2, 4 says, let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Look, I wanted to be here. I needed this. The last couple of days have been crazy for me. I wanted to gather in person and worship, and obviously you did too. And many others chose to stay home, which is wise, and I'm thankful that they did that if that's what they felt was best for them. But we also have to understand there's risk. At this moment, when we gather together with other people, we run a risk of sharing something that we may not even realize we have at that moment. And so that's why we try to encourage you, stay home. If you have been sick or are sick for the next, next several weeks, whatever we decide to do, just stay home. Be smart, be wise, don't run that risk. Don't be like the guy in Kentucky who tested positive and said, I don't care, I'm getting out anyways. And now there has to be a sheriff there to make sure he stays at his house. There's crazy people in the world. Don't act like that. Be wise. But the question for us is this. Where do we go from here? That's the important thing, and that's what I want to address. Where do we go from here? So please listen to me very closely before we have a time of prayer. The decisions our church makes going forward are not done out of fear. I am not afraid whatsoever. They're not done out of fear. I'm not afraid of the virus for myself, but I'm responsible for this flock. And I'm responsible for making sure that people stay as healthy as possible. That is my responsibility. 
And that weighs on me, and that weighs on Pastor BJ. And so we don't want to spread the virus unknowingly. So the decisions we make as a church need to be made out of a desire to love our community well, protect our health care system, and the most vulnerable. So at this moment, here is where we are. With that in mind, we are gathering for worship this morning. That is the last time I can definitively say we will gather. We are not going to meet tonight. All meetings, all activities are canceled. We are not going to meet Wednesday. We are not having upward Tuesday or Thursday. In the middle of the week, we'll reassess where we are. My prayer is, if nothing else, we can still gather for worship, even if it's a small number, and we can practice social distancing, right? Because we can all spread out in here. And those who need to stay home will continue to stay home. But we don't know where we are. We're not going to have children's church this morning. We don't have a lot of kids this morning. We're going to do a children's sermon, but our kids are just going to stay in here, just trying to take those precautionary measures. We are not going to pass the offering plate. Uh, we're going to sing another praise song in a minute, Good, Good Father. While we're singing that, if you have your offering, you may come forward and place it in the offering plate. We're just trying to take small steps like that. Listen, God has entrusted you into my care. I'm to lead you, care for you, and feed you the word. And the best way for us to do that at this moment is to ask you, please, to limit your contact with those around you. Be extra cautious. Do what many people have been doing a long time. Wash your hands, right? Take those extra precautionary steps that many of you have been doing for a long time. And you're like, why are we just doing this now? Keep doing that stuff. Look, this may get worse before it gets better. It may. And maybe next week it'll all be fine. So be wise. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing. And remember that God is sovereign. We are in this together. Jesus is still alive. He's still on the throne. And he still saves. Amen? He still is doing those things. Yes, give, give God the praise. Let me also just encourage you to be mindful. Uh, there are seniors, others in our church, who because their immune system is what it is, they, they don't feel comfortable being around people. Look, you may not see them face to face, but send them a text message. Uh, stay in communication with them. Let them know we love you. I think the church has done really well for the most part of gathering. We haven't always done the best at scattering and telling people about Jesus. And maybe... Maybe one thing God is going to do in this in the church is to remind us we don't just gather, but we also must scatter and tell other people about Jesus. And more than ever, people are receptive to that. And so the scripture that we're going to pray through uh, this morning is out of Philippians chapter 4. It's going to be on the screen. Today is, Trump has declared it a national day of prayer. Uh, Southern Baptists have also uh, issued this to be a day of prayer, and they have given four things to pray for. I tried to put them on the screen, but they weren't, it wasn't legible enough for you. So we'll try to post that maybe on our Facebook feed today where you can know, hey, how can I specifically be praying? Uh, and then so we'll try to get that to you. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what we'll do is I just want to encourage you to take a moment to pray where you are. Then I'm going to come back up here and just lead us in a time of prayer. And then we're going to declare that our God is indeed a good, good father. So take a couple of minutes and pray.
Father God, we just want to come to you and we do want to lift up. God, our country, we want to lift up our leadership. But we want to lift up those who have had to make difficult decisions. Um, Lord, we know you're sovereign. We know that you are in control over the coronavirus. We know that you are in control over every pandemic. So God, we do ask, Lord, that you would heal this, that you would slow it down. Lord, that you would, God, in those communities where this is particularly spreading, in other places around the world, Lord, where maybe they are not equipped medically to handle something of this magnitude. And Lord, I think the thing that's so dangerous about this is it spreads so easily. Um, so Lord, we do pray that, Lord, the spread will be minimized. Lord, we do pray, God, that we would consider others' interests more than ourselves. And Lord, this is difficult. Lord, I know there's going to be a lot of families for these next several weeks, if not longer, Lord, are, are going to be difficult. As kids are home and they're not in school and there's no place really to go. Uh, churches may look different. Sporting events, obviously, God, are different. And Lord, it seems like the world is kind of just in a pause mode. We're, we're in hold. And Lord, in the midst of this, oh God, we want to be a people of faith, but also a people who are filled with love. So, Lord, help us as we have to make difficult decisions, as we, ha as we have to think and plan and, Lord, maybe offer Bible studies online for a while. Lord, help us to, to be willing to do that. Thank you, God, that we have the technology that we can do that. That those who felt it was best to stay home can, can get online and, and watch our service live. And we do pray for them. Lord, we pray for those who are most vulnerable and, and as a result of, Lord, who this, this disease is impacting the most. Lord, we want to pray for our health care uh, folks, those nurses and doctors, those, God, who, Lord, are really, really in the front lines of this. They're, they're surrounded by, God, those coming in and testing positive and, and, Lord, having to be there to provide the care for them. And, Lord, they have families and, Lord, they get sick as well. So, God, we pray for them. And I think one reason that we're doing so much of this, Lord, is to protect them, to protect the the healthcare system, so that those who are sick, Lord, will be able to get the care that they need. Lord, I just pray that you'll bring some sanity to people. Lord, just, God, this reveals once again the nature of the human heart, which is to panic, which is to think only about me and to hoard all that I need so, God, that those who may actually have a need can't have it. Lord, that's a condition of the heart that only you, Jesus Christ, can change and transform. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the rest of the worship service. Father, be with BJ. Lord, as he, as he brings what will be a timely word, I'm sure. And, and Lord, maybe that extra weight, God, that, that, that is on him today, Lord, give him that. Thank you for how he has faithfully led, and he's led so well, God, in his time here. And so, Lord, use him, we pray. I'll continue to be with the rest of our service, Lord. Be glorified, be magnified. You are a good, good Father. And your people put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Say it again.
Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken.
Hey, great job. That was, uh, that was worth coming just for that, wasn't it? That was awesome. Fast. Yes, you are fast. I am slow, but you are fast. All right. Everybody doing okay today? Yeah. All right, I got a question for you. Hi there, sir. What is your favorite place to go eat at? Do you have a favorite place to go eat? Taco House? All right. Sounds good. Taco House? Where's your favorite place to eat? You have a favorite place? What's your favorite place? Chick-fil-A, good answer. Do you have a favorite place? McDonald's. McDonald's. Chick-fil-A. Malachi, where's your favorite place to go eat? McDonald's. I knew it. McDonald's. McDonald's. So one of the most popular places for kids to eat is McDonald's. So let me give you some information here. There are over 35,000 locations of McDonald's. The first McDonald's was opened in 1955. And why do you like to go to McDonald's so much? Because you get a what? Toy. A toy. That's why he likes McDonald's. <laughs> Sorry. There's no, there's no toys in McDonald's. Um, so it is not then the largest toy distributor in the world. It's not. So, but here, here's why I'm talking about McDonald's. Because in 1992... They came out with the phrase, and it lasted about 12 years. And so you could walk in, a lot of people in here remember, you could walk into McDonald's and say, I want to get some fries and a drink, but I want to supersize it. Anybody remember that, supersize it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Testify. Right, you could, you could supersize it, which means I want a fry and a drink, but I want a bigger fry and a bigger drink. So there's a story that you guys are probably familiar with. It's in John chapter 6. Hold on. You get smaller things? Okay. So verse 8 says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. All right? So that's not a lot of food. And he said, But what are they for so many? Because there was like 5,000 men there and then plus women and children. And so Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 number. And then it says this, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. So this little boy brought all the food he had, which wasn't much, and we could probably eat that, just everybody here, and probably maybe just us right here, right, if we're really hungry. And so he brings Jesus this fish and this bread, and then Jesus supersizes it. He takes what this little boy brought, and he feeds all of these people. And so here's what I want you guys to do, right? I want you all to think about, hey, how can I serve and love on people this week? Like what's something you can do to make a difference in somebody else's life? Now you may think, well, you know what? It's not very much. I don't have a lot to give. But you know what God can do? He can supersize it. He can make that one little small card that you send or that phone call that you make or that little video that you send to maybe a grandparent that says, hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. Right? He can supersize that to bring encouragement to people. And so though you guys might be little, little is much when God is in it. All right? Let's pray. Father God, there are so many people right now in our world that are hurting and they're uncertain. And God, I think some of the people who can probably make the greatest difference in their lives are these small, small kids, Lord, right here. 
Lord, just a call, a smile, um, a text message, a video. Lord, it just brightens up our day. And it can give people hope. And uh, maybe sometimes, God, they'll be even more receptive to a kid saying, hey, Jesus loves you, than they would be to an adult. And so, God, I'm just praying that through this, you'll use those who maybe think, hey, I'm little. I don't have much to offer. But, God, they'll trust you in the midst of this. And they'll see, God, that you can supersize it. You can take something small and use it to impact lots and lots of people. And so, God, do this for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again as we sing. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, Eternal of ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, Standing, standing, Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's calls, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, Good morning, folks. If you will turn to Psalm 133. As you're looking for that, I just want to tell you, I have good news. We are already past my first page of notes. Because Pastor Aaron already covered what I had on my first page. And I wonder if I left it on the copier. Um, so, seriously, there it is. And ironically enough, I'm here today, and the theme for Disciple Now is together. 
Learning how the body of Christ comes together to worship and to serve and to carry out the mission of God. So it is, let's turn to Psalm 133. And I'll read the entire psalm this morning. If you will follow along with me. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Father, thank you for this time to gather. I know that there are many churches that are not gathering this morning in body, but Lord, we're not a ch- we're, we're, the, the church is not a building anyway. We are the body. And so, Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you speak to us. Let these words not be BJ's words, but let them be the Lord's words this morning. Father, cover us with your grace and mercy and your blood. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So yeah, actually, really what I said, I had this planned out. I was going to tell you kind of why I was standing up here or whatever. The only thing I might change is to make it a little more local. Um, that, uh, you know, though, for, for those of you that are around this area like I am, uh, I, I didn't really know that Disney never closed, but there's a Waffle House that closed. So that's when I knew. That's when I knew that something was up. The last, the last word in verse 1 of Psalm 133, some of you may have the word harmony, others may have the word unity. Uh, that is not the last word if any of you are reading from the Hebrew Bible this morning. If you're reading in Hebrew, that word is not even there at all. It just simply says together. Because there's a sense that togetherness, there is unity, there is harmony. And so maybe Hebrews understand things a little better than we do. They don't have to add superfluous words. It's just there, together, togetherness. Um, But we do know this from verse 1. David says, it is good and it is pleasant. When we dwell together, when we are together in harmony and unity, when God's people are together, it is good and it is pleasant. And then he goes on in the next two verses to give us an analogy of sorts, two two different analogies, two different pictures to help us understand what he's really discussing here. So let's look at verse 2. Verse 2, we're looking at oil from Aaron's beard. Now, not Pastor Aaron, not his beard. The Aaron we're talking about is Moses' brother, the first priest. Exodus chapter 30 talks about this anointing oil, and, and, and there is a recipe for the oil in Exodus chapter 30. The Lord spoke to Moses, and, and he goes through and he tells of the various spices that are to be used and the olive oil which is to be used. Now, I, I looked this up uh, just to try to figure out how this worked. Apparently, the work of the perfumer, uh, most scholars believe that they would take these various spices and they would pack them down together 
in some type of cloth, perhaps a linen cloth, and squeeze them and squeeze them and get the essence of those, uh, the, the essence of that spice out, and then they would take that and mix it with the olive oil. Um, it's a very, uh, very, very sweet smelling uh, from that anointing oil. But then uh, they would take it and pour it on the head of the priest. So much was poured out, apparently, that it would run down over his head, run down through his beard, and then even down on his garments. But listen, one of the significant parts of this is, again, back in Exodus 30, uh, verse 31 says, Tell the Israelites, this will be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It must not be used, uh, for, for, it must not be used for anything else. He says, because it is holy, it must be holy to you. In verse 26, it says, You're to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table, lampstands, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering. Everything was to be anointed by this oil. There's nothing magical about the oil. It is holy because God declares it to be holy. And so the function of it is to anoint and to make things clean before the Lord. And so as it's poured upon Aaron's head or upon the priest's head, it is to prepare him to enter into the tent of meeting to offer the sacrifice before the holy God of Israel. It is a consecrated, sweet-smelling aroma that goes, obviously, before the people, but before the Lord himself as, as the priest would enter into the tabernacle. Now, St. Augustine, speaking of Psalm 133, says this, the ointment is on his head because Christ is one whole with the church. But the ointment comes from the head. Our head is Christ crucified and buried. He rose again and ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came from the head. Thus, that anointment descended first upon the apostles, descended upon those who bore the first assaults of the world, and therefore the Holy Spirit descended on them. For they who first began to dwell together in unity suffered persecution. But because, the anoint, but because the ointment descended to the beard, they suffered but were not conquered. Now, the way Augustine is, is phrasing this is he's saying Christ is the head. And, and, and in his mind, it's his interpretation, the beard represented those first apostles. Now, whether you think that that is what it means or not, it is very clear that it comes down from the head, it comes to us, it comes to the church, and, and here is what we can know. They suffered, but they did not conquer. I do agree with Augustine on that. Church, we are not promised a life free from persecution, but what we are promised is a life that is full of victory because it is faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we know this too, again back to verse 1, it is good and it is pleasing to dwell together in unity. The psalmist says the anointed beard of the priest is a picture of a unified church under the headship of Jesus Christ. So here is, here is one picture of why it is good, why it is pleasant to dwell together, uh, because we receive our uh, we, we receive the Holy Spirit as it comes down uh, upon the church. But look at verse 3. Verse 3 is talking about a mountain, the dew of Mount Hermon. Well, what is Mount Hermon? It is the tallest mountain in Syria. It is well north of Jerusalem. Uh, it is covered with snow 
most of the year, somewhere between nine and 10,000 feet in elevation. It's covered with snow most of the year. As that snow melts and also as rain comes upon the mountain, it comes down and flows down into the Jordan River, which then flows into the Sea of Galilee, which then the Jordan River continues on down, all the way down towards Jerusalem into the Dead Sea. But along the Jordan, and certainly around the Sea of Galilee, there is, without a doubt, there is life. There is, that is life-giving water, because there, there's, there's water for crops, and we know Jesus first went to fishermen around the Sea of Galilee. There is, there is a, a source of food and sustenance. The Jordan and the Sea of Galilee is life-giving for God's people. Here is a picture the psalmist writes for us that of, of life-giving water from God to his people. It is good and it is pleasant for us to dwell in unity. It it's flows down from, from the top down to us like dew from Mount Hermon, flowing to God's people. It is good when we dwell in unity. Roger Ellsworth says, Unity allows the church to focus on its high task and glorious privilege of preaching the gospel. Listen, now don't miss this. Disunity distracts the church from our mission. Unity among the church points people to our Father. Let me say that again. Disunity distracts the church from our mission. Unity among the church points people to our Father. That's what we are to do, church. We are to point people back to our Father. Jesus said, let them see your good works that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. It is good and it is pleasant for the church to dwell together in unity. Well, I've picked apart Psalm 133 pretty quickly, but I've looked at both of those that are there, both of the pictures that the psalmist gives us. What are some practical implications? And can I just tell you that over the last couple of days, this part of the message has really changed a lot. God has worked on how, what are the practical implications? If we were to dwell together, what does that mean? Honestly, a week ago as I looked at this passage, the implications were a little different for me than what they are today. But God is good, so let's just let's continue on. First of all, look at Romans 15, 5 through 6, if you will. Romans 15, 5 through 6. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another, according to the command of Christ Jesus, so that... You may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. Listen, practical implication of us dwelling together in unity, dwelling together in harmony is this. We strive for unity so that with one voice we glorify God. Look, this is the mission of the church, to glorify God by making disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's what he has told us that we ought to be doing. And I just have a question for you. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer aloud. This is just a rhetorical question. Who are you discipling? Who would you say in your life, I'm discipling this person? 
It's a question I have to ask myself. And then I had a pastor really challenge me about two weeks ago with this question. Have you ever led someone to the Lord and then followed up with them in discipleship such that you know now they are leading people to the Lord and discipling them? Mercy. My toes hurt. But that's what we're to do, church. We're to make disciples who go out and make disciples. Look, it's the example of Jesus. If I ask you, what was Jesus' purpose? Well, certainly we might say, well, consider John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever may believe in him might have eternal life. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, you might follow up with, so therefore, Jesus' purpose was to provide atonement for sins through the crucifixion. And I would say, Amen. You might say, and also to defeat death through his resurrection. I would say, amen. He did. He came for that purpose. He fulfilled that purpose. That is absolute. He did that. But there's more, I would say. Consider Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus spent three years teaching men how to go and make disciples. He came and provided for the atonement and provided for the salvation of any who would believe, but he also established a team of, of men. Uh, uh, you might even expand it to 70 or more or 500 as he appeared to those in the last 40 days. He assembled a team to then carry that message. What good is it if he provided for the atonement of people and nobody told anybody about it? He has established a method to get that message out so people may turn to him in repentance and have and find salvation. This is his plan, to take the good news of his death and resurrection to the world. When we are in disunity, church, we can become distracted from our primary mission. So let us live in unity and so with one voice glorify God. But there's more. Look at Philippians chapter 2. We've already, we've already read this passage this morning, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. And so we've, we've already read this, but look especially at verses 3 through 4. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Before he gets there, Paul says, if you've, really, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, be unified. And be humble. Think of others. We are to be of the same mind. We are to be unified. And look out for the interest of others. So we made some changes in our schedule. Pastor's already said that. Canceled upward. Disciple now. Not because we were afraid. Seriously, did I leave my notes? <laughs> But we made these tough decisions because we're concerned for the well-being of others. Others who are susceptible to serious illness and others who will have to then help provide healing to those with serious illnesses. We were looking out for the interest of others. So I would just ask you to keep your pastor and leaders in your prayers. And then, here's the non-rhetorical part of the sermon. You ready? It's just a mantra. I want you to just repeat after me. It's not about me. Oh, that was good. Let's try it one more time. It's not about me. 
There you go. So we just keep saying that over and over. Now you can be a little quieter now, but it's not. That's the example of Jesus. It wasn't about him. He didn't come for his own self. Amen. Thank you. And we are not to just look out for our own interests, but for others as well. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. It doesn't say your speech should be salty, But it says your speech should be always gracious. As though season was salt. You know, it's not saying your speech is salty. But when food is kind of bland and you put a little salt on it, it sure does taste good. It tastes better. So that's the way we should interact with those who are not believers. It's such that they get a taste of the Lord and they see that he is good. Because he has said, taste and see, the Lord is good. We are to be unified and we must exercise wisdom toward non-believers. Church, the world is watching. They are looking. We don't panic. We don't have anxiety over the coronavirus or anything else. We do exercise caution. But you know, I, I heard this somewhere this week and I don't really remember where I saw it or, or where, I, where I read it, where I heard it, it, it may have been in multiple places, um, but I can't take credit for it, but it, it, it was pretty good. Um, you know what would truly bring me anxiety? It's thinking of my future apart from Christ. Having nothing in which to ground my future. Being unsecure about my eternity. That would truly bring me anxiety. And I'm here to tell you, church, we have the answer to that. We have the answer to that question. If there's anyone listening online, I would encourage you to know this. We are all sinful. The Bible is clear. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God has provided his son, Christ Jesus, for our salvation. He lived a perfect life. And all the wrath that is due us was poured out upon the cross on him, a, a man who lived a perfect, sinless life, so that his righteousness might be applied to us if we only repent and believe. The Bible says if we believe in our heart that Christ has been raised from the dead and we confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. And we can know about our eternity. We can know about our future. And therein wipes away my anxiety. Because true anxiety is the future apart from Jesus. We must take care, church, that we don't expect non-believers to behave as believers. We must take care that those outside the church truly see Christ. Now, it's okay to expect believers to behave as believers. And we encourage, we encourage one another toward that. But with non-believers, I mean, maybe I'm ignorant, but my experience is that we don't alienate people into the kingdom of God. I'm not saying we don't speak truth. 
but our words should be full of grace and truth. Togetherness, unity, harmony, whatever word you use there. But when that is among the brothers and sisters of Christ, it is good and that it pleases the Lord. It is pleasant and that all that, in, all that experience it enjoy it. Now, as has been stated before, we were preparing for Disciple Now this weekend, and part of our curriculum, they give us some videos throughout, throughout the weekend. The closing video, however, is so appropriate for us right now. I want you to watch this video and just listen. What do you have to say to the world? What message do you have to speak into all the confusion and all the darkness? Not only do you have a powerful, world-changing message to share, you have one strong voice to say it with. The world is in need of the transformational truth of the gospel, and you are united with your friends to share this truth together. The world needs to know it's loved by a Savior, and you and your friends have experienced this love firsthand and are just the people to share it with the world together. The world needs hope. You and your friends, your church family, you have hope to share, and you can share this hope with the world together. You have a message. You have a mission. You have the hope and love and grace of Jesus to share with others. God gave you a family, your brothers and sisters, to stand alongside you to change the world, all for His glory. Together, you can make a difference. It won't always be easy. The world will try to separate and divide you because of the things that make you different from one another. But what the world doesn't know is this. The bonds God uses to tie you together are unbreakable. The world doesn't understand the Christ-driven love that you have for one another. The world can't comprehend the unity you feel as those who have been adopted into God's family. Stand strong. Live your faith with boldness. Shine a light into the dark corners and spaces of this hurting world. And do it together. The world, the world is looking for hope. In Greek, there are two words that are translated as the English word time. Kronos and kairos. Chronos is the root for chronology or chronological. It's how we've marked the events of this past week. It's how it, it, Chronos is measured in seconds and minutes, days, years. But Kairos, Kairos is time that is marked more in moments. Look at this painting here of the Greek god Kairos. Look, you can be bald and be, be a god. No. But look at this, this Greek, this, in, in Greek, they had this Greek guy called Kairos. Notice he's bald in the back. And he's got lots of flowing hair locks all in the front of him. The purpose of this is that Kairos moments are in front of us, and we can grab them and take hold of them. Any moments that are behind us are gone, and we can't do anything about it. Church, right now, we have a Kairos moment. We have a Kairos moment. Look, our local newspaper posted an article on Facebook asking, are there any churches that are open or closed? What's going on? Now, whether you're open or closed or not, that's not the point of this. The point is, the, the, for, for me, is this. 
When has the newspaper ever asked what churches are going to be open on Sunday? I believe people are worried. And when people get pressed and they get pushed in and they have anxiety, they're looking for something that can give them hope, looking for something that can give them an answer. They're looking for someone that can, that can ground them. And we have that answer. His name is Jesus. So we have a Kairos moment before us to proclaim that we know where you can find hope. We just sang, good, good father. Oh, I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. He is the one that provides our hope. May we, church, unified with one voice, proclaim to the world the name that is above every name, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. May we seize this moment for his glory, for his honor. And so just a few questions as we leave. Where do you need to strive for unity? Remember, it's good and pleasant. Is your voice unified in proclaiming Christ? Are you of like mind in considering others as more important than yourself? And what is your reputation among non-believers? This is one thing that, as a youth pastor, we struggle with sometimes because we talk about being careful who your friends are. But if all you ever are associated with is Christian friends, then how bright is the light shining in the darkness? I'm a parent, too. I get it. Be careful who are your influencers. But also know you have the answer. You have the light that penetrates the darkness. You have the hope. His name is Jesus. My prayer is, it's already been mentioned by Pastor Aaron, that we take this opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are searching and they're looking for answers. Father, thank you for this time together and this opportunity. But Lord, your message of truth and hope, it's, it's been there all along. While the preachers have been proclaiming Jesus for a couple thousand years now, and even before that, they were pointing forward to the Messiah that would come. God, I pray that we as a church will seize this opportunity to point others Jesus. Give us wisdom as we move forward. Let us anchor our lives in you. God, may you be glorified and magnified today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would please stand this morning. And the altar's open for, for prayer. I don't know if, if you want to pray with somebody, Pastor Aaron and I both be down here. Um, if you're online, I would say this. If you need somebody to pray with you, send a message to send an email to office at nbcnoonan.org. Um, and uh, we'd love to be able to pray for you. Um, but right now, let's sing together and just think how can we be a unified voice proclaiming God's message to the world? Now, my everlasting portion, more than friend or life to me. Along my path.
pilgrim journey. Savior, let me walk with thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee. All along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee. Not for ease or worldly pleasure, not for fame my prayer shall be. Gladly will I toil and suffer, only let me walk with thee. Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee. Gladly will I toil and suffer, only let me walk with thee. Be good to worship Jesus today. I'll let you close us out. Yeah. yeah it's fun. Is this on? There we go. Uh, I did not see your notes, I promise. But it is amazing how we're on the same page. Because as he was preaching, I just kept thinking time. God, may we not waste this time. May we not waste this time. And then he brought up time. Church, may we have an opportunity. Let us not waste it. Don't waste it. we got a lot of our families. They're going to be spending more time as a family. They're not going to be running everywhere doing all these activities. Don't waste that. Redeem that time. You've been complaining about being so busy and stressed. Well, the Lord just took care of that for a while. So, right, we, all of these things that have distracted us. We think about so many Christians that are distracted by sports or their kids are involved. They don't have those distractions right now. And my prayer is that not only lost people, but us as believers will just come back to the Lord and we'll get right with him. So do not waste this opportunity. We are together. Thank you, brother, for that timely message. Philip is our deacon of the week, and so he is going to come and he's going to close us in a word of prayer. I'm going to be standing in the back just to... Say, have a good week, but I will not be shaking your hands because I love you that much. So there you go. Not to distract us with sports, but for my fellow Braves fans in the room and online, I remind you that the last base, uh, shortened baseball season was 95. So. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to gather. Uh, Lord, that we can share a little bit of humor in, in a trying time. Uh, God, we've said a few times this morning that there's no... No disease, no hunger, no worldly, no worldly disorder that you aren't in complete command over. And for that, Lord, we're thankful. Father, as we disperse, uh, until we're able to gather again, I pray that uh, everything that we say and do, as we've talked about this morning, we, we seize that opportunity. I've also heard it said a few times, uh, you know, we tend to spread viruses when we gather, but we spread the gospel when we scatter. Lord, let us. Pr I pray that we would uh, just seize that opportunity. Be with us now, and may everything that we say and do bring exaltation to the name of Christ, glory to your name, and the gospel to the nations who need it. We ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.